for whoever was watching or, or following the news, there was a affair that was caught just recently uh, between Dominic West and Lily James. And if this are names that you know, uh, you are probably a part of the Hollywood sect there uh, in tune with all of that. Uh, but these two, Hollywood co- uh, these two Hollywood stars were caught kissing. Uh, and you're probably thinking, well, what, what's the big deal? Well, Dominic West is actually married. And Lily James is uh, about half his age. And uh, uh, this caught headlines and began to circulate hitting uh, front pages. What struck me about this was that the very next day or after this all came to the surface... Dominic West uh, went to his wife and uh, uh, they must have uh, consolidated, whatever it was, but they were photographed together in a warm embrace, kissing, uh, gave out a uh, a report uh, that their marriage was fine. It was very interesting to me how, you know, you kind of look at that and you think, how is that guy still alive? Like, you know, that woman... uh, is watching as her husband is embraced by another woman, no doubt his life would be on living on thin ice. But unfortunately today uh, we can understand uh, there are so many mixed emotions when it comes to marriage, so many different uh, uh, you know, ways that people view marriage as a union, a partnership, a business deal. Uh, I don't know, but the truth is, is that it's so different to what the Bible says when it comes to entering into holy matrimony. And so here is these two people, these candidates that have decided, you know what, it's fine, it's okay, Uh, this is how we uh, function and we consider it to be fine. But how many know that the Word of God has much to say when it comes to marriage? People today need to understand this. If you and I are going to experience all that God has for us, we have to embrace the truth that the Word of God has, especially when it comes to entering into the most intimate relationship you can have on this side of eternity. So, let's look this morning at dwelling together out of the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and then verse 7, and looking at marriage this morning. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, then without word uh, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Then skip down to verse 7. Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife uh, as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, uh, that your prayers may not be uh, hindered. Dwelling together, let's look firstly and focus on the two-way street. Now, it seems as though the roles of husbands and wives have been blurred in this generation. The tug of war that has caused more tension among those who should be enjoying one of the most intimate relationships this side of eternity now has come under great scrutiny. No doubt there's been casting shades on the significance of the roles that each ought to be playing. And unfortunately what we've seen is chaos in the family because a husband and a wife will not do 
what is right, the family has suffered. For generations, society has functioned correctly because they have been reverent to what the Word of God says when it comes specifically to the union between a husband and a wife. Today has been brought up for disrepute. Now today, it's a competition. Now today, it seems as though for a woman to stay home and take care of the kids, she's been stifled. For a mother to not uh, put aside her uh, career in order to be a mother at home, now it seems like she's living under oppression. And so we see now this absolute backflip where today uh, people are casting shade and things are being blown out of proportion. It's as if uh, if you're happy, uh, that means I can't be happy. Uh, If the husband's succeeding, uh, then it feels as though, well, you're enjoying your life while I'm miserable uh, and I'm not doing what I want to be doing. And so this competition, uh, this uh, tussle for uh, uh, you know, a preference in the family uh, has now caused, uh, dev- has had devastating effects on society. The error that has caused uh, uh, the most corrosion in family is rooted uh, with defining the more significant or the most important role to play uh, in the home. As if, well, the husband will say, well, I'm the breadwinner, therefore I'm the one who is of more power, of more significant. And then you have the mother who say, well, I can do just as, I can do what you can do and maybe even better. And so unfortunately, we have now seen this permeate every area, every aspect of life. You can see it today in music, right? Music today, women are singing, I am woman, hear me roar. I am misindependent. I don't need no man. Boom, right? They're singing about it. And what are the men singing? I'm pathetic. I'm useless. I've lost you. I don't deserve you. I'm a worm. I'm a germ. And, you know, this woman is elevated and I'm pathetic. And and she's this, yeah, that's right. You don't deserve this, right? We see it. It's bleeding into every aspect of life. And unfortunately, the more we stray away from what the Word of God says, the more we step over the precipice of insanity. In our text, there are two words that are helpful to be able to def- excuse me, define the crucial roles between a husband and a wife and that, what they play. Number one, the, for the wife, the word is submit. Now, I know that for many, many generations, the word submit has caused people uh, to feel as though this is an oppressive uh, 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 mindset, it's old-fashioned, it's the, the, the view of someone that ought to be seen but not heard, uh, someone uh, that has no say, someone that, uh, a wife uh, that is only pretty on the outside, uh, nothing uh, uh, inside the mind uh, uh, of any rele- relevance or significance, uh, uh, but unfortunately this is contrary to what uh, The Bible is speaking about here. Because if you think about it in its entirety, uh, to be submissive, for a woman to be submissive is incredible power. A woman that uh, doesn't have to fight with her words. How many know that women don't have to speak? All they have to do is look. Just one look, man. One look from your wife and you'll either go weak at the knees and go, yes. Or one look from your wife and you go, I've forgotten something. I'm in trouble. I better run and hide. 
But it seems as though today women are, 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 you know, fighting against submission and it's like the only way to be able to fight against, we've got to say, we've got to speak it out. I've got to tell him exactly what I think about him of how you're a slob and you don't do enough and you're not good. And so this rivalry between the husband and the wife, think about the effects. A very loud woman or a very loud wife, consider Samson and Delilah. Now, there's a few principles that we take away from the story of Samson and Delilah. Number one, it's not good to keep secrets from your wife. Ooh, we're heating up. Number two is you better marry a godly woman because otherwise she'll turn on you. <laughs> she'll throw you under the bus. But number three is faced with the women, for, for the wife. And that is don't vex your husband to the point where he would rather die than actually be in your presence. The Bible says, let's quickly move. Samson, he's got this incredible strength and the strength is linked to his long, luscious uh, dreadlocks. And there he is, he's fighting, he's a battle, he's a warrior. He can do all things, uh, but yet there is a secret to his so the source of his strength and that is the length of his hair. The moment he cuts his hair, the razor that hits the, uh, uh, you know, his head, uh, immediately uh, all strength will be removed. That is the source to his strength. Now, nobody knows this except his mom and dad, himself, and God. And so Samson is there. He is fighting, he's defeating. He marries an ungodly woman, Delilah. And she wants to know his secret. Tell me your secret. And he lies to her two times. Or is it three? But he lies to her. He says, you know what? If you do this, uh, then, then I'll lose all my strength. And so what he does, she wastes it. Boom, he, she does it. But his strength is still there. And then lies to her again and again. And so here this whole thing unfolds to finally, the Bible says, and need to, need to dial into this. Judges 16, 16. It came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. I mean, he was like, all right, already. She wouldn't give up. She wouldn't relent to the point where he said, you know what? I mean, I, what, what kind of life is this? And so he gives away the source to his strength. And you know the story. She cuts his hair. The hair is gone. The strength is gone. He is then from there on a path to destruction. Eyes plucked out, humiliated by all. What a tragic event unfolds. But all because here is a woman would not recognize. Principle of submission. There are certain things. It's not about getting your way. And it's not about talking your husband into it. Well, this is what we are going to do and that's it. But again, the Word of God says that with your conduct, with how you act and how you behave, if your husband's not doing or acting or being who you feel he ought to be, then with your conduct, you ought to try to convince him. And like I said previously, with just a look, a, man can go, a husband can go weak at the knees or run for his life fearing what he has forgotten. Now, number two, um, the word for the husband is understanding. Now, my father was a wise, is a wise man. My father told me years ago when I was married, a newlywed, I asked him about the secrets to marriage and, and you know, a long-lasting marriage. And he said, son, listen to me. A good marriage is based on trust and understanding. 
I said, wow, that, I need to write that down. Trust and understanding. He says, your mother doesn't trust me and I don't understand her. You know, the truth is, when it comes to understanding your wife, I mean, that seems like an incredible, impossible feat. As if we were to somehow feel, you know, what's her favorite color or what sits nicer. But when they ask us, they're just humoring us, right? Does this look good on me? Everything looks good on you, right? But it's, it's dialing into this understanding of what she likes, what she doesn't like, what makes her happy, what doesn't. And immediately, men, husbands, we can recoil by thinking, you know what, there is no way I'm ever going to understand this woman that God's given me. Blessed be to God. See, the, woman, the, the word understanding in the Greek is the Greek word gnosis, refers to knowledge. It's the words uh, translated that we get science to understand something, to be able to prove something. And so if we try to dial into understanding our wives, that means you're going to have to, with uh, uh, wisdom, uh, understand by trying things and finding out what it is she likes and what she doesn't so that you can begin to understand her and, and ultimately dwell together in unison. It's the understanding. It's learning how she likes her coffee, what makes her smile, what sets her at ease. It's understanding that. Now, while we may recoil to the very thought of applying these two principles, again, submission and understanding, the importance is detrimental for the overall family. In other words, if we're willing to study what the Word of God really says, if we believe everything the Word of God says, you know what, by grace we've been saved and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all these wonderful principles, blessings and promises that are already in the Word of God, we must be also willing to apply them to uh, the area of marriage. Because it's this incredible truth that begins to transform us from two very selfish people uh, to become uh, unified in Christ Becoming selfless. That's what marriage is about. Putting aside your selfishness and doing what's better for your spouse. Here's a, 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 a Pastor Josh Walsh said this to me. He says, we choose what kind of marriage we, we want to have. And that is very profound because you have to understand that, that this is up to you. If you are married here this morning not just in the eyes of God, but by the law, that means that you are going to enter into this union and if you want to see all that God has, you ought to be making the right decisions to experience all that He has for you. But ultimately, you choose the kind of marriage that you will have. So let's look secondly this morning at dwelling defined because relationships can become this partnership, this business deal uh, with all or without the benefits. And when I began studying this scripture, I found that when uh, the scripture spoke about dwelling with, uh, it came up with 14 different Greek words uh, for that one word that we use, dwell. 
And so you can do your own study in your own time, but to quickly go over it, there's a vast range of different uh, translations and meaning that the word dwell has uh, in the scriptures. One can be cohabit, uh, the other inhabit, live in, live amongst, pitch a tent. And so here is this word dwell when the word of God speaks about our marriage. uh, Dwell with your wife in understanding. uh, Many can confuse what that actually means or what it looks like. The word is actually an intimate word. It's speaking about an intimacy that is only shared between a husband and a wife, and it is the only reference to uh, in the context of marriage. Now, men, calm down. This is not just a sexualized meaning, but think about this. When the Bible says, dwell with your wife in understanding, think about, uh, uh, you know, the uh, special relationship that you have with your wife and, you know, the benefits that come with that. No doubt that becomes the motivation to what we do and and why we do it, right? We look after our family. We take care of things. We do things. We come home to a wife that meets the need. And so here is this understanding. When it comes to uh, seeing all that God has for you uh, in your family, uh, you are triggered by that very dwelling together. That appetite that God has given a husband and a wife to be able to experience this intimacy is now the motivation to make sure that if I want to keep this alive, if I want to keep this functioning, I need to make sure that she is a happy woman. In other words, happy wife, happy life. For those who drop the ball, it's to your own peril. And this is where the chaos begins to form. So let's expand on the thought of dwelling. Because what does it mean and how is it expressed? For the moment, uh, or the moment we begin to see marriage uh, as just cohabitation, uh, or dwelling with one another, or just being around one another, we pronounce an end to it. In other words, if you live two separate lives, but under one roof, it ain't going to work. If you aren't joining together, uh, discussing things out, trying uh, to figure things out, or even uh, be there for one another, it is not going to happen. Uh, Two separate lives under one roof. You've got your accounts. I've got my accounts. You've got your friends. I've got my friends. You've got your life. I've got my life. But let's just meet together. That's not what the Bible says a good marriage is. And let me just add this. It's not going to work. See, it's our ability to want to work things out because a real marriage has to face the real problems of life, right? You can't run away. In other words, the marriage certificate becomes a contract that you're able to wave and say, listen, you made a vow, not just to me, but to God, that you said you will stay through sickness and in health uh, till death do a part, or we kill each other. (laughs) I'm kidding about the killing, please don't. But that means and that drives us to wanting to deal with the issues, the pressing issues that we face, whether it be finances, whether it be with children, whether it be relation and intimacy, you are having to deal with this and work things out for the better of the family. In other words, there's no plan B, C, D or C or like our opening illustration, there ain't no Lily James. You just miss a great place to say amen in the Bible. 
Bible speaks about a man by the name of Elkanah. Elkanah was married to Hannah. Hannah, we know, is the, is the mother to Samuel, one of the greater prophets. Now, Hannah was barren. And Elkanah was the husband, and no doubt, like every union, would feel responsible or at least at somewhat needing to try to help, but he can't meet the need. It's not happening. Her womb is closed. And so this caused her to be vexed. In fact, uh, the Bible says that because she couldn't have kids, uh, it would uh, uh, have its toll on her. But added to that, uh, her inability to produce children for her husband was the source of slander by others. In other words, people were mocking her, were saying, were looking at her, what's wrong? Why aren't you fulfilling your duties as a wife? And no doubt this began to take its toll. In fact, in 1 Samuel Chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Now, this is what I love about the Bible because you read that and you think it made her miserable. In other words, it wasn't her fault. She is no doubt crying and you know, recoiling up into the fetal positions, you know, just absolutely humiliated. But the actual word, the Hebrew word, can be translated to thunder or to roar. In other words, it made her scream. She was miserable. She was, rah! It probably made everybody else miserable as well. But think about it. I know that we don't have any wives like that in this, in this church. Thank God for that. But she was so agitated by what was happening in her family or a lack of that it provoked her to react And she was no doubt becoming someone very difficult to live with as a result. And so think about that. That is a horrible situation. And any husband would be wrestling with that. But see, Alcana was a man of God, was a wise man. He didn't just go, you know what? Too bad. I'm moving on. Maybe I can get another wife. You can't meet the need. It's only a piece of paper. Let's move on. Let's separate. Let's divorce. No, no, no. Elkanah began to deal with the issue. And this is where the miracle happens. She's barren. She can't. But her husband was a godly man. Number one, firstly, he was willing to ask her, what is the problem? And verse 8, Elkanah, her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than you than ten sons? Here immediately, he's a loving husband. He cares about you. What can I do to help? How can I better understand this situation? What is it that I can do to be able to ease your mind? And let me just stop here and put the challenge on husbands. Listen, if your wife is battling through some issues... You need to stop and listen to be able to dial into what she's going through. Why are you crying? Listen, if if, if a tear or or, a a moment of just uh, whatever she's battling with doesn't cause you to just stop for a moment, then you need the fire of God to, to really bring this reality to pass. If your wife's not happy, if she's on, if she, if there's something that's bothering her, put aside your pride, put aside everything, focus on this issue. Ask what, honey. 
What's happening? What's bothering you? Now I know the reason why many people, many husbands stray away from this is because it, it's, it's the ultimate result of a woman speaking. And we know women could just speak a lot, right? They, they, I mean, they got thousands and thousands of words that they've got to speak before 9 a.m. And, and it's like, for husbands, we, you know, men, we go to work and it's, uh, you know, we, we operate with noises, you know. And then your wife asks you, how was your day? And you go, yeah. And, and was everyone there? Yeah. And what did you do? Nothing. Just worked, you know. But then you ask her her day. How was your day, honey? What did you do? Well, I woke up at 7. Okay. Then I had to quickly get ready. So I did my nails. Then I brushed my teeth. And I did my hair. I got my makeup on. I went, went to pick up, you know, the kids. I had to get them ready. Made breakfast. Got a coffee. Hopped into the car. Drove them to school. And that's just 8 o'clock. I'm like, I didn't need that much detail, but that's how women express themselves, right? And so when you, th- when you say just those small little words, is everything okay, immediately, well, I was talking to Sandra, and Sandra was telling me that Susie was going over there, and then she was talking to her, and then that, and then next thing you know, you're like, I just, I just, so are you okay or not? <laughs> Simple answer, yes or no? But see, it's tuning into that, that helps you to better understand her. Number two, so being willing to ask, number two is being willing to listen. Because here is where the the rubber meets the road. You have to ask her the question, but then while listening, don't try to fix it. In other words, this ain't broken plumbing, right? It ain't like a a window's broken, she's telling you about it, and now you've got to call the uh, glazier, he's got to order it, da-da-da. Listen, all she wants you to do is listen. She's going to download all this information, and you better remember it because she's going uh, to quiz you later on. Did I, I told you about it, remember, last week? Uh, we had a chat about it. I told you about Susie and the, the, the conversation they had. So you have to listen. Put aside what you think you need to do. Put aside. This ain't broken plumbing. She ain't broken. You don't need to fix her. Just Listen. And through that, you'll be able to be able to let her, allow her to download what it is that she is wrestling with. Number three, and this is where the miracle transpires. With every husband, you need to dial into this. What did Alcana do? Alcana took his wife to church. Hallelujah. That's a good husband right there. We're living in a generation today where there are more women that are in churches, that are our men. And that's a tragedy. Where are the men, the husbands, that are rising up, leading their families and say, you know what, we need to go to church. There are certain things that you can't fix. There are certain things you can't solve. That means you need to go to God and you need to bring your family with you. And here is Alcana, the Bible says, takes her to Shiloh. That place is peace. And it is at Shiloh that she's able to then go to the priest where she will lay down at the temple her burdens and make a vow to God and a miracle happens as a result. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat of the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord and right there is where a miracle transpires. 
best thing you can do, husbands. Say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Listen, next time your wife comes and, okay, I've got so many issues, sit down, grab a pen, grab a pen, write this down, because you're going to need to remember this. Right at the end of it, you just underline it all and go, let's go to church. Because you ain't going to be able to fix, you ain't going to be able to solve the problem. You need Jesus. Every marriage that is going to last until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ needs Jesus Christ at the center. That means that your relationship with God is the driving force to wanting this marriage to succeed. And what a great sermon this is for all of us married here this morning. Let's look thirdly and in closing at dwelling together because your desire ought to be, how can I better serve my spouse so that they can reach their full potential in our marriage? In other words, your focus needs to be on them. If you want to be able to dwell with each other in understanding to the very day when Jesus Christ comes back or we go to be with the Lord. Listen to me. Our plan or our mindset ought to be, I want to make sure that you are living your best life. That whatever it is, I'm not here to hinder. I'm not here to pull you down. I'm not here to make you feel as though you can't do this. Listen, every husband needs a wife with some pom-poms, cheerleading. Go out to work again, make that money. Every husband needs a woman. When you come home, she's there and she's, you know, prepared. The house is in order. Listen, this is absolute for things to happen but then let me just say this every wife needs a man that would go out and only have eyes for his woman that he's not out there looking oh plan b c d she's my future x x x wife i've got children with her and i've got children with her and i've got this you know communion i'm slowly building well you know We laugh, but that's what's happening, church. And listen, it's all as a result of husbands that will not do what is right to be able to think, no, no, I'm not going to do that because that will hurt my wife. That will upset her. I know what will happen, and I'm not going to do that. You know, I've seen some marriages, and it really should be called a trap, not a marriage. Is they're bound together. Is, you ain't leaving because if you leave, I'm going to end everything. You think you're going to go, uh, you know, be and start your new life, blah, 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 you know, and it's this trap, this hold that they both have on each other. That's not what marriage is about. That's not what a true marriage in the Word of God speaks about. This is not a trap. This is not a ball and chain. You ought not to look at your wife as a ball and chain. That's horrible. She is a woman and he is a man that's going to be able to Bring out the best in you. Think about Alcana. He knew by taking her to church, directing her to God, would make a way for a child. And there we have a miracle that transpires. If you're looking or needing, or if you're in a spiritual stalemate right now in your marriage, I wonder, is there something you need to talk about? Is there something you need to forgive your spouse over? 
Because here lies the incredible supernatural, pro, uh, uh, supernatural promise. In verse 7, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, uh, that your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, the spiritual climate of your home is determined on your ability to want to make it happen and forgive one another. Remember, these are two selfish people trying to become selfless. But if you and I are God-fearing people, and I believe we are, we're Christians, this is our mindset. We need to deal with the issues. We need to deal with what's happening so that we don't hit a spiritual stalemate. And it's just a word of warning. If you don't resolve this now, I know that there is, you know, kids and there's bills and there's all these things. One day, all the little birds are going to fly out of the nest. You're going to find yourself very financially stable with a lot of things that you could actually give yourself to, but you'll be trapped in a home with a person. You love each other, but you don't like each other. You're married, but you're not friends. And that's a horrible predicament to be in. It's in your best interest today. In the, marriage of, in the arena of marriage, God uses this to be able to bring forth incredible blessings. If you seek this out, the Bible says, uh, Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. What an incredible promise it is. It's, this is not a trap. This is not some way where God is going to ruin your, lo- uh, your life. In fact, what you're going to find is by est- highly esteeming your, uh, uh, your spouse, you are then going to be a, a recipient of an incredible blessing that flows. It's very troubling to hear, you know what, we just can't make it work anymore. If you're a Christian, that's not an option. Today, you need to make it work. Make it happen. Work at it so hard that it succeeds. Because here is the very promise. Our prayers won't be hindered. We'll be able to be linked to the supernatural dimension. And as a result, the family is blessed. Let me close with this illustration. There was a very unusual military funeral in California, December 2013. Sergeant First Joseph Gant, who fought in both World War II and the Korean War, was laid to rest. He had never been captured in Korea in 1950 and he died the following year, but his body was actually never returned for many years. His death was never confirmed by the North Koreans and so the wife was at home. Her name was Clara waited in limbo. She waited for decades for her husband to come back. She would regularly go to meetings with government officials seeking information about what happened. Clara even bought a house and had it professionally landscaped so old Joseph would actually have to do when he came home after the Korean War in 1950 is fish. She was 94 years old when his remains were actually finally brought home for a military funeral with full honors. 
It wasn't the homecoming she dreamed of, but she finally knew his fate. Clara told a reporter who interviewed her. Clara said, he told me if anything was to happen to me while I, I, while I was at war, he wanted me to remarry. And I told him, no, no, here I am, still his wife, and I'm going to remain his wife until the day the Lord calls me home. For this woman, marriage was not just a piece of paper. Marriage wasn't just a business deal. Marriage for her wasn't a trap. It wasn't, well, you know, while we're together, we're together. But while I'm away, I'm somewhere else. This is a union that God brought together. And let me just say this. You read that and you think, that's an incredible person. To be able to grasp this principle for the very, to the very end of her life. That's a marriage I want for, for me and my wife. Someone that we can get along, even while, you know, she knew he has passed away, but I still want to please him. When he comes home, if it was a miracle for some reason, he's just going to go fishing. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, husbands, dwell with your wife in understanding. Wives, submit to them. And let's believe for God to do the miraculous through our marriages. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.